Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. It's time for Lombardi Memories. So it takes you back in time, into January or February, to grace one day spectacle in all of sports. We have finished reviewing the first 50 Super Bowls. If you want to relive those games, I suggest to you some homework. A book by Ed Benkin called The First 50 Super Bowls. It's from McFarland Publishing. And there's some great stuff there that you'll want to relive over and over. Uh, great book. But for now, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to take a moment in Super Bowl history and expound on it. I'm going to go through a drive or a quarter or something I can break up into little pieces. We can examine it closely. These, that means these episodes are going to be pretty short. But that's okay. So... Today we are going back and looking at the final minutes of Super Bowl X between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboys. We begin with Dallas having scored a touchdown to cut their deficit to 21-17, and they are kicking off. The Cowboys have Tony Fritz kicking it. He kicks to his left. It's an onside kick. Guard Jerry Mullins of the Steelers falls on it at the Dallas 42. Surprising that the Steelers had a guard on their good hands team, but hey, it worked out. Now, keep in mind Terry Bradshaw has been knocked out of this game with a concussion. So now Terry Hanratty has stepped in his place. Chuck Knoll obviously does not trust Hanratty as far as he can throw him because he will not let Hanratty throw the ball. So the Cowboys, they've got all three timeouts left, so simply running the ball is not going to kill the clock. Franco Harris takes the first carry. He loses two yards. Dallas calls their first timeout with 141 left. Hanratty then tries the hard count, trying to get him to jump offside. They don't. And he hands off to Harris for another, uh, well, and this time he got the two yards back that he just lost. So Tom Landry calls his second timeout, 133 left. Now here's where it gets tricky. All the Steelers need here is a first down. It's third and 10. A first down here wins the game automatically because all the Steelers would have to do then is just fall on the ball three times. But Chuck Noll has no trust in Hanratty, so he calls a run instead of a pass that could win it. This time it's Rocky Blyer running the, up the gut for a yard. And the Cowboys call their final timeout with 128 to go. Now remember, the Steelers could have won the game with a third down conversion. They could also win the game with a fourth down conversion. And, but there's, 
128 left, and it's fourth and nine. You could conceivably go for it here. You could punt. Pat Summerall and Tom Brooks here were CBS's announcers for Super Bowl X. Uh, this was Pat Summerall's first Super Bowl as the play-by-play guy. He did uh, color commentary for a couple, uh, three or four of them before this game. Um, but they, they prepared for a punt. They thought it was a punt. So uh, Brooks here is talking about the Cowboys coming all out at the punt. And he says they'll probably have everybody but the coaches going after this kick. But then they were shocked because they saw that Chuck Knowles just sent back out his offense. So it's fourth and nine. Now you can win the game again if you get the first down here. Uh, but punting would put the Cowboys into a more difficult situation. They'd have to go probably 80 yards rather than having to go 60 yards. Now, 20 yards can be a big difference, as we'll see here later. So, but Chuck Noll doesn't want that punt to be blocked. And they've had a bunch of special teams issues in this game. And... He's worried that the punt's going to get blocked, return for a touchdown, they lose. But I think the chances of the punt being blocked are not as high as the Dallas Cowboys going 60 yards in 80 seconds. Because that's what they have. They have 80 seconds left if the Steelers throw incomplete and they have to go 61 yards to win the game. Instead of maybe 80 or possibly even better, if they're able to cough and corner the punt. So he's not going to punt, though. He's going to go for it. But here's the problem. If he's going to go for it, why not try a pass? Everyone here, <laughs> everyone, everyone except for Steelers announcer Jack Fleming knows the clock stops after change of possession. Okay, so... Whether you run or pass, you either win the game by getting the first down or you lose possession. The clock stops either way, regardless of whether it was a run or a pass. So it's not like the Steelers can run the ball fourth down and then which it, it was an archaic rule. Uh, it used to be the rule that the other team would have to hurry their offense out onto the field because the clock would still be running. But that is not the case in 1975. So Chuck Knoll can have try a pass with Hanratty, but he doesn't trust him either. And he decides he's just going to call a simple running play. Rocky Blyer gets the ball, not Franco Harris, their best running back, the MVP of Super Bowl Nine. The last Super Bowl, in fact, where he set all kinds of records. But instead he has Rocky Blyer run it. He goes for two yards and that's it. That's one we gotta ask Chuck Noel about, Summerall says. And he's right. I mean, why would you just call a simple little I don't I wouldn't call it a dive play, but it, it was not a very fancy running play. And now there's 122 left on the clock. 
So Dallas has quite a bit of time to work with and great field position at their own 39. They've got to go 61 yards in 122. So about 60 and 80 seconds as I was talking about earlier. And Summerall says, got to work the sidelines. <laughs> but now it's the Cowboys making the bad decisions instead of the Steelers. Okay, so Roger Staubach gets a low snap from the shotgun formation, which came, the, the, the bad snap came because the shotgun formation was pretty new at the time and not practiced well enough. So it, he was getting low snaps. He, he picks up this low snap and scrambles with it. So the low snap actually helps him because he gets a first down, has the opportunity to step out of bounds and stop the clock. At 110, but instead he fights for a little extra yardage, goes down, and he he gets the first down, but another 20 seconds come off the clock. Now, part of that wasn't all just because he didn't get out of bounds. I mean, the Cowboys showed no a sense of urgency after that play. They just kind of and moseyed around, acted like it was any other play. And so it takes another 20 seconds to get their playoff. So, and so, uh, and Staubach lost that 20 seconds because he couldn't, he didn't step out of bounds when he clearly could have. He could have easily stepped out. But gets worse. After another low snap, Staubach throws to former Steeler, Preston Pearson, who's now a cowboy, he catches the ball and pivots. Okay, he's he's got the ball and he pivots, but instead of pivoting towards the sideline, he goes away from the sideline. Now he gets to the Steelers 38 for a first down, uh, but he could have stopped the clock with 40 seconds left. Instead, since he's in bounds and the Cowboys are moseying around, takes another full 20 seconds to get the next playoff. So since they've got such little time left, Staubach has no choice but to throw it to the end zone. He got a third low snap and almost got sacked to end the game because uh, now there's less than 20 seconds left, but he evaded tacklers, managed to launch the ball to the end zone where it fell incomplete. So now you got the next play with 12 seconds left. All he's got now is he's got to go Hail Mary. He throws to the right corner of the end zone. Percy Howard just can't quite get it. It gets batted away. Now there's three seconds to go. Staubach has this pass tipped, intercepted by Glenn Edwards. For some bizarre reason, he ran the ball back about 40 yards before going down. Uh, the clock had already expired. It didn't make any sense. But it didn't matter. The Steelers win Super Bowl 10, 21-17. So, looking back at this, it's clear that Chuck Noll screwed up, but the Cowboys screwed up even worse. Had the Cowboys known basic clock management, they would have had plenty of time at the end. Staubach wouldn't have to be trying Hail Marys from the 38-yard line. Likely, the Cowboys would have gotten down farther for a good shot at the end zone. Staubach and Pearson, if they just step out of bounds like they should have, there's an extra 40 seconds on the clock. That's massive. That's game-changing. 40 more seconds in that scenario. 40 seconds. 
Now, it didn't help that the Cowboys moseyed around before getting the next snap-off. So, yeah, it was Starbucks' fault. It was Pearson's fault. And it was the Cowboys in general, their fault. Uh, yes, Chuck, Chuck Nolan was wrong. He sort of either punted or at the very least try to pass. Because the chances, I, I, I mean, if, if the Cowboys go down and score there, that's one of the biggest blown, it, it would have gone down as worse than uh, Pete Carroll in Super Bowl 49. It just would have been awful for Steelers fans. Uh, I'm not a fan of either of these teams, so. <laughs> but the Cowboys blew this one. They did not know how to do a late-game clock situation. So if Staubach had that 40 more seconds where they he gets out of bounds, Pearson gets out of bounds, I bet NFL history is different today. The Cowboys are the ones with six Super Bowl wins. The Cowboys are the team of the 70s. And the Cowboys have the largest comeback in the first 50 years of Super Bowl history with an 11-point comeback. Just step out of bounds, guys. So that's all I've got here today. I'll have more episodes like this one coming up, and hopefully I'll be able to interview some people on their Super Bowl memories. If you're interested in talking to me about your Super Bowl memories, email me at packersfootball 3 at yahoo.com. All I ask is that you pick only one Super Bowl to go over. If you have a few, that's fine. But ultimately, and you don't have to have just one, but if you have one that you'd rather talk over, that would be better. Um, because I'm not going to do uh, three interviews i i'm only going to do one per person so um but yeah if you're interested in uh coming on the podcast talking about a super bowl of your choice um email me packers football three at yahoo.com thank you for listening and until next time so long Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, 
to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.